Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of another goddamn horror podcast. I, coming from Portland, Oregon, am Ryan Danley, here with uh, Brooklyn in the house with uh, uh, Graham Fay. How's it going, man? Good, good. Uh, it's it's been a it's been a crazy day. I watched uh, the impeachment trial and then felt sick most of the day until now. I'm super excited about the podcast. Awesome. <laughs> Jonas Barnes, also coming from Brooklyn. What's up, man? Yep, hanging out over the other side of Brooklyn. I mean, I feel like the best way to prepare for talking about fictional horror is to watch real-life horror right in front of us. So why not? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Do you do you all end up in the same part of like so? Which one? You're which part of Brooklyn are you in, Graham? I'm Flatbush near King's Theater, like a block away from King's Theater. And Jonas. Yeah. And I'm in uh, I'm in Bushwick over by uh, the Bushwick Aberdeen L train stop. Mm. So yeah, we're pretty far away from each from each other. Yeah. Brooklyn's huge though. Yeah. Brooklyn's way bigger than people give it credit for. Big. It's kind of its own. Yeah. Do, you, do y'all ever do, do people still eat waffles? Hundred percent. Are people still eating those waffles? Yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah, dude. Um, the King, King's Theater is actually one of my yeah. favorite venues, dude. King's Theater is such a good venue. It's so cool. Yeah. The, the last time I was yeah. there I was in Williamsburg, right when it was kind of like becoming the new Williamsburg, and it was a it was a weird thing to watch, to be honest with you. Because it, like, it was still like so Brooklyn at the time, but you could just see that that creep. You know what I mean? That like, uh, like there's, there's like, this is this is gonna look different soon. Sort of uh, idea going on there. But uh, you could see all you could see all the shitty white money sneaking in to make skyscrapers <laughs> and shit. I mean, that's kind of what I'm saying. And, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But like, I mean, it was still it was still awesome. It was right over the bridge, and uh, you know, it was uh, I, I don't know, it's freaking Brooklyn. It really should be its own city. You know what I mean? It kind of is, and it really should be. But, um, we pretty much a- treat it that way i feel like i don't leave brooklyn ever like even when there wasn't a pandemic i rarely went to manhattan right when i have to go to manhattan like something got fucked up that day like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. you know what i mean like somebody fucked up yeah. bad because i have to go to manhattan i have to go to midtown who died like what happened <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, someday, I'll, someday um, after this whole pandemic, we'll uh, I'll head out there and we can do a um, we can do a, we can do an on site um, uh, another goddamn horror podcast and it'll be it'll be, that'll be super fun it'll be amazing you know yeah we'll, dude we'll do, do a it. live one in, live one in person that'll be great exactly it'll be freaking great so well today we get to talk about uh, pretty much my favorite I, I think he's my favorite horror director. I, I, I was trying to think of other horror directors that I like more and look forward to more, but uh, Adam Wingard, um, who's done most famously, I'd say, Your Next and The Guest, uh, who's also doing uh, Godzilla vs. Kong coming up, yeah. and we're going to cover his movies today. I'm into it, man. Yep. So um, he's an American uh, film director and editor. And uh, I guess his directorial debut was a movie called Homesick. I never saw. I can't find it. And then he did another one called Pop Skull. That's even harder to find. Yeah, I looked um, everywhere for Pop Skull, and for yeah, like, I couldn't. Like I, I just couldn't. Uh, I got excited. I was gonna like watch all his movies that I hadn't seen. And um, exactly, yeah, it's, just, it's just not out there. Have you seen that, Jonas? 
I haven't seen it, dude. If anybody has the, if anybody has the hookup on like the, the movie black market <laughs> and can find yeah. us like a download link for these or something. I don't know if there's like a Silk Road streaming site or something, but if you can find it, <laughs> I'd love to see them. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, uh, Mr. Weingard, if uh, Mr. Weingard, if you listen to this, I want to call him Weingard. Uh, every, if you do listen to this podcast, um, send us a copy. We'll, uh, we'll review it. And, uh, absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, and we'll also make us really cool. So, <laughs> but so yeah. So my favorite. Uh, uh, we're going to talk about the movies he did mostly today with Simon Barrett, the writer. Um, and their first movie they did together, it was uh, a horrible way to die. I think it was two thousand seven. I could be wrong. Um, I think that date's right. But it, yeah, yeah. It starred A.J. Bowen, Amy Simites, and Joe Swanberg. Uh, and it was about uh, it was about an infamous serial killer, not infamous to us, but you know, a famous serial killer who's escaped and gone on another spree. And uh, it's it's following also a recovering alcoholic in Amy, um, and and how they're basically they're closing in on each other basically throughout the movie, and it's just bleak and dark and there's no humor. Uh, I, I guess people could refer to it as mumblecore, <laughs> but sure. yeah, I, I, don't, I don't really understand that term. I've heard it a lot, but uh, I, I loved it. it it's, it's really dark and it's just got a great ending. If a movie takes, it's such a slog to get through. It's interesting and I, fall, and I love the performances, uh, but it's got such a great ending. So I, I was super into that. I feel, like if, I, I feel like if anybody walks into a movie called A Horrible Way to Die and they decide that it's going to be like a fun jaunt, you know, just sure. yeah. uh, they right. should not be. I, I don't I right. feel like they properly sold that one with the title. But just right. like, you know what? There's not going to be right. any happiness in this movie. So fucking strap in. We're calling it A Horrible Way to Die. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a good actually, point. It was actually out in 2010. Just to, not the. To... Oh, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just so just so for, for sake of it was right. right. So, it was made for $75,000. And, and it kind of looks it. Sure, sure. Yeah. But, um, you know, it's got the, the three leads. Uh, go on, they're also in your next. Uh, and they're all fantastic. Uh, it's, it's a really good... The, the first... His, this movie and your next have really good themes of, of what you'll... What, how much evil you can endure for personal gain or, or personal comfort. Right. Yeah, I feel like that makes major sense. themes that makes in sense. both movies, and this movie yeah. felt a hundred percent like what the director of your next did right before your next. Right, sure, <laughs> yeah, sure. It leads into it really well. Um, did you guys see it? You guys both saw it. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's a phenomenal movie. Yeah. I think Mumble um, is the best way to describe it. I think it's like it's. Um, and like you're saying it's 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 like one of those movies that lives in the like well i watched it again i'm not sure you know what i mean like i don't know if i need to yeah. say it again, but like it's uh um it's uh it's an experience of a movie you know what i mean like you're definitely going to leave it feeling away. right you know and uh and that's uh you know and uh, there's something to be said for that yeah, I would call it. Right. An, I would call I it an impact. I would call it an impactful movie for sure. Um, and also, that movie was only made for a million dollars, and 
it does not look like it. It looks like it was made for way more than that, at least to me. Um, well, yeah, it's saying seventy five thousand, or you know, and I'm like, that's my craft services. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's as much ribs as I want while I'm filming two months of movie making. But, um, you know, but, um, yeah, no, I think that uh, definitely given what, what they, they got a lot of movie out of that, you know? So. Yeah. I, I also think that you're next as far as the style of horror film that it is. It's like, you know, like you were saying, Ryan, it's for me, I would watch it again because that type of a movie, I'm okay watching multiple times without it really affecting me that much. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that style of filmmaking, like it is, it is unrelentingly brutal, like in the best way. Sure. You know, it's one of those movies that, like, as you watch it, it's horror is a weird genre like this because there's a difference between horror that scares you and horror that affects you. And your next is a movie that affects you. Like at the end of the movie, like you have feelings about this yeah. movie that you just watched, as opposed to it just scaring the shit out of you, no. um, which I think is one of the things that he's best at doing. Like he's really good at eliciting an emotional response out of the people that watch his films just because of the like his vision behind the camera um, really gives off that vibe. Yes, 100 um, percent. And yeah, going in your next, uh, which came out, I think the next year, um, uh, it, 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 it's a home invasion movie. It's about a, a, a family getting together for their parents' uh, 30th anniversary. And, uh, and then there's a- Probably a spoiler alert coming up here. If you haven't seen your next, go just watch it. It's been, it's been long enough that you should have seen it already if you're a horror fan. Uh, so just pause, the, pause the, the podcast right now. Go watch your next. You'll be yeah. on Peacock. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Just go watch your next and you'll be, uh, you'll be really happy you did if you're a horror fan or thriller or whatever you want. Like, just go watch it. It's exciting. Uh, it's my it's my favorite horror thing I, I say texas chainsaw is my favorite horror just for the street cred but i, I think your next is I, I think i've seen it more than any other one um like it, it's it i just and it's it's because i don't know what it is his movies they almost make you feel like like part of the gang almost like you, you feel let into the almost the movie making process at least that's how i feel. right um you can see his ideas, why he wants to do them. Like, it's just fun. Every move, you're like, oh, I bet like he was thinking about this. Just, I really get into that. The, the song, the one song they play through the whole movie, I end up listening to for a week after I watch the movie every time. Because I just feel, it just resonates with me so much. But, so yeah, it, there's, it's a home invasion. This family is together uh, for the parents' uh, uh, wedding anniversary, and one of the girls, one of the girlfriends, Aaron uh, Crispin's one of the sons. Aaron becomes the final girl, basically, and she—you can tell right away—she's going to be an amazing final girl. She's one of my favorite final girls too, right? Um, just because she starts from the beginning, she's not a victim hero. She's just a badass. From right when she sees things are going wrong, she turns it on and like saves the family. It's amazing. And then you could almost but, call um, her not a final girl. You know what I mean? She wasn't like she just ends up being like, 
like like really just the freaking protagonist of the story because everybody else is so like brutally reprehensible in the whole thing that it's like um like and like she just brings so much to it she's such a she's uh she really owns the movie and like you you root her for her so desperately that it's uh, desperately (laughs) and that um and then you know like they do so much fun stuff with the booby trapped and with the i mean it's just a really great so. Yeah, my wife calls it the Home Alone horror movie. Sure. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's a good call. That's a good call. Yeah, I think a um, lot. I think a lot of people actually might um, might recognize similar styles in this movie. I think Your Next did these styles better, but it's got similar styles as far as like the actual film itself to the collector and the collection. Um, if you ever saw those, which yeah. is about a burglar that breaks into somebody's house and he ap- he happens to break in while there's a slasher that's in the house that's like setting booby traps and shit. So it like becomes that sort of cat and mouse game in that sense. Yeah. You have a little bit of that with like a little bit of the strangers and like brutality wise, you almost even have a little bit of martyrs, like sure. as far as how as far as how aggressive and brutal the film can be. Um, but I think your next, like I said, I think is a better version of those first two. And then Martyrs, I mean, it's definitely a different film than Martyrs, um, but it's got like that same dark grittiness to it that comes along with the brutality of the filmmaking. So I, this is actually, I know, I know, oh, go ahead. The Collector, actually a script for a Saw prequel. I heard that. Yeah, I heard that. Really? Yeah. Yeah, so that that was some some, or, some origin story. They kind of just trumped it up and made a movie on its own. But um, 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 they were de- they were decent movies on their own. I mean, I, I thought so too. Know. I thought and yeah. I thought that they actually handled. Um, uh, I like the Saw series. Uh, torture porn isn't necessarily like my my go to, uh, and I thought that Collector rode the line between just horror and torture porn better personally. But, yeah, yeah. Anyways, sorry. Sorry. No, um, no. I just think in in your next, I thought it was a, also a huge jump from a horrible way to die because he started messing around with a lot more genres instead of just mumblecore horror. I guess. Yeah, um, I agree with that. There's there's comedy, there's action, uh, there's slasher, home invasion. There's a lot going on. Right. Um, the soundtrack and the score is is so good. Um, it. it it hits every beat for the feelings that you need. Uh, it, yeah, that's. And I mean, I think that like, and you know, I think one of the things about it is, is when the people die and it's kind of like, it's kind of, you know, this kind of movies, like when people die in this movie, you're like stoked about it. You know what I mean? Like, it's not <laughs> kind of like horror movie, like where you're like, Oh, like, Oh, that sucks that they died. You're like, Oh, thank God they're dead. And that's, awesome that they died all brutally you know what i mean like i think it brings out that and like the chance you know like those sort of uh you know survivalist movies would you would you put this in in the cat would you put your next in the category with like uh green room and monster party and uh ready or not and all those uh kind of escapist movies like kind of rides that line a little bit i think so yeah i think for sure i would put it in that same camp for sure um, little side note real quick. Uh, you know, uh, his first movie, do you know who played the uh, killer in the first movie? In his first movie, Homesick? No. Bill Mosley. Really? 
Yeah, That's a big got, name for Yeah, yeah, dude. He got <laughs> Bill Mosley for his first for his first slasher, his first killer. Um, and the killer's name is Mr. Suitcase. Wow. Um see, I really want to see this movie now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I just <laughs> I just looked at it when we were talking and I was like, fuck, now I really want to see it. <laughs> yeah. Um also, oh, a fun side note in your next is uh, the first, not the first couple, because the first scene is uh, a great murder scene with the song and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the, it's the neighbors. And, uh, but the first person in the family gathering uh, to get killed is Ty West. And he's an, also an excellent director who did uh, The House of the Devil and The Innkeepers. No, I didn't know that that was him. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And you can kind of feel like, I don't know who influenced who, but there are similarities between both of their sure. styles. I, I yeah. like, and I thought that was super cool. And I think that's what, when I first saw the movie and I found that out, someone was like, oh yeah, there's a bunch of writers and directors in that movie. They just made it for fun. And that's not entirely true. Tariq was Ty West. He is a director, but I think that's kind of it. <laughs> you know, like right. Simon Barrett and Adam Winger, you know. Right. But um, that just it makes me feel like, oh, that sounds like so much fun. And it just it makes me feel like part of the movie almost. Totally. totally. Yeah, I agree with you 100 percent. Yeah. We'll have to cover House of the Devil because that's a that's a that's a worthy like talk about nailing something. You know what I mean? Like talk about yeah. like, like, you know, sometimes like when I first heard of it, I was like, okay, they're going to make like the, those, you know, old school seventies or, you know, Satan, satanic panic uh, kind of flicks again. But boy, were, were, were they able to really pull that movie off? Like really make it like a good version of that, you know, where. Um, I think that's, that's what I really liked about this batch of directors all like around the same time, like Wes and Winger, like you can see their influences clearly but they make it it's just their own and it's new and it's younger and stuff and it, it it's really exciting to me sure yeah right there with you uh, um, what else we're going so to his, ne- his, his next one after that was the guest right yeah yep. yeah like it came out like right it was like pretty quick after that actually like it was like like i don't like i don't know if the he, he stacked a bunch of movies like right on the same on the, right around the same time so he really yeah he had a run yeah um i think the best uh, i think the best way i've heard the guest uh described is what you said jonas the other day which is like it's way better than it had any business being you know like um Right. And the reason I mean, the reason I even said that is because if you look at the cover, it's like, oh, cool. This is like a movie that Ryan Philippe fucking gave up on. Like, it does not. <laughs> exactly. You know, right. Yeah. And I mean, and it's like and it has that like almost like so you read it. And uh, for anybody who hasn't seen it, it's about um, um, a family whose son has died in, in a military, uh, you know, in some war or somewhere in uh, Afghanistan or something, I think it is. And uh, um, all of a sudden one day a buddy of his shows up um, and uh, um, is able to work his way into their lives. And uh, then people start dying and, uh, you know, and, um, you know, honestly, like, like describing it. Um, so I hadn't seen it. You know, um, because of 
Um, I, it just kind of sounded like like single white female or uh, double jeopardy or you know it just kind of sounded like a little bit of a bad, um, you know, like thriller sort of uh, movie. And it, it does have those elements, but they really pull it off, and it's it's done very well, and it's very engaging, and it, it really plays more of a horror movie style, um, and it's. Uh, um, yeah, and it's and it's fun, and it's got a lot of uh, uh, a lot of actors I like in it too. So and, uh, it's a great movie. So I think when you look at it, you look at the cover of the movie and you look at the story, and I think you think that it's going to be just some shitty phoned in, like you know, straight to streaming type of right, very very cookie cutter paint by numbers type of thriller. And I think this really goes back to how good of a filmmaker uh wingard is it just he took a very simplistic idea and a very you know for lack of a better term cliched you know horror trope or thriller trope right and kind of flipped it on its ass and made its own thing and i mean obviously a lot of that also goes to you know dan stevens um you know as the lead like it's it's a it's a really good movie like it's a well-made movie um the pacing is good the acting is great there's like there's good twists in it that are not like outlandish type of shit that you have to really suspend a lot of disbelief for um and you also never know which direction it's going which i thought was cool like you're always kind of like guessing about which direction this film is going to go is it going to go full horror is it going to stay within that thriller part like where is it going to go i like that a lot yeah, and Dan Stevens. I think was- Stevens pushes the movie. Yeah, he pushes that movie from good to, for me, beyond great. Yeah. Everything about him. He was coming off Downton Abbey, which I didn't watch. I had no interest. I was super concerned about the movie going in. <laughs> like, <Right. laughs> it, it didn't, see, it sounds boring. None of his movies really sound, none of Wingard's movies on paper sound that exciting or even good but it's just the way he does them. But sure. yeah. You know, that, movie, that movie came out in what, 2015 or 2014? 14. It came out in 14? Yeah. Okay, so yeah, 2014 was kind of a year in horror too, where it wasn't, that, I mean, there wasn't a whole lot that was going on in 2014 for horror. And a lot of the stuff that was, was there's a lot of sequels coming out and there was a lot of reboots and remakes and stuff like that. So this was kind of a, also a fresh, you know, jolt into the into the genre right no for sure yeah i oh go ahead um well yeah i mean it's like a fresh jolt in the dry and like and it is sometimes nice when they take somebody who isn't a horror person per se you know what i mean doesn't have that like like you know like this even looks like a like a Oh, he's like you know he's pretty you know what i mean and he's like <laughs> and he's like and he's really good like all american and, and really like like he's got that vibe to him i don't i don't know what he's like in real life but like but he's got that vibe to him you know I think he's british is he british <laughs> i think so <laughs> okay um uh he's, um that's blowing my mind but um but like he really <laughs> sold, uh, um he really sold uh you you really sold him as the character and and I think it was really effective because he just like he was so not scary that it was kind of scary. You know what I mean? Like it was Yeah, he like, was so charming. Yeah, that you're was, like, uh, oh, this is like like you know, like it was like so- a biting sharp charm. 
as like a like east coast punk kid who grew up in rural colorado like i uh, i i know the fear of those people so like i think it was like really effective and like kind of touching that you know seriously he was the best way i would describe his personality in that film is he was jarringly likable like it was weird like you would you were immediately drawn to his character his character was very charismatic but in a very low key way mm-hmm. and he came across as like he came across very sociopathic in that sense. Like there was an absence of emotion, but there was a complete forward push of like, you know, charisma and immediate likability, Um, which, you know, as you're going through the movie, that, that aspect of it kind of fucks with you, Um, you know, kind of rooting for him, even, even (laughs) when the, even which is fucked by the way, that is a (laughs) fucked up thing to do. (laughs) But I mean, even when he, um, even towards the end and like, uh, like maybe I won't just give up the, the very end end, but like, like when you see the vision, you're like, okay, like, you know what I mean? Like, you're not really like, like, um, and maybe it's because he is a victim himself, you know what I mean? Not to get too much of the, the plot away, but like that he, he is a, you know, an example of something that, like a, of a, he's yeah. a, he's a, he's a, a result of a problematic situation, you know what I mean? And, uh, um, Oh, and what's his name? Who plays uh, Crawford? Uh, who's was in the Wire? He's uh, Lance Lance Raddick. Yeah, he's yeah, one, yeah, yeah. Everything that guy's in, I'm like, why isn't he in everything? You know what I mean? And, uh, sure. Who's the other dude? There's uh, the dad is uh, uh, Leland uh, Orser. He he's amazing. He's a great character actor. He was in this amazing movie called Faults too. I don't know if anybody's. That's gonna be my recommendation now. I just decided, but false. Go see false. <laughs> just throw it out there. You're like, that's got that out of the way. Yep. Um, yeah. So, um, so that that movie's great. Like, it's it's absolutely a movie that you should see. I remember when I actually recommended that to people, and there was like, I had friends that were like, before watching the movie, they were pissed off and thought that I was joking with them that I was gonna recommend that movie to them. And one of my friends was like, "Yo, the cover looks like a reboot of Varsity Blues." Are right. you shitting me? Like, <laughs> That's what I was saying earlier. Like he just yeah. yes. like you. You think it's gonna be like like um you, like you really think it's gonna be Varsity Blues or like any you know what I mean? Yeah. But, um, there's also I I love. I feel like that movie is teeming with John Carpenter influence too. Yeah, sure. It's, it's simple kind of like, um, yeah, totally. Um, so what did he, what did he do after? So after, after the, after the guest, he did a couple of movies that I don't think really went anywhere. He did the last survivors are an outcast, but in 2016, this is the one that I have to talk about because talk about <laughs> tackling a property that had been beaten to death it had been um paraded out for the public to laugh at when it made a sequel um he did the third installment of the blair witch project so let's talk about i'm I'm just gonna i'm just gonna put this out here right off the bat for our listeners i am actually a huge fan of uh Blair Witch 2, Book of Shadows. I think it's very underrated and, and to the point where we'll probably talk about it later. But like, uh, let that also um, form your opinion on our upcoming conversation about this. Movie. Right. <laughs> I'm not going to, okay, I'm not going to call it underrated because the movie's a piece of shit, but it's very enjoyable. <laughs> I'll say that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I'm not gonna. I am definitely not gonna say it's underrated because it got panned appropriately, but also it's a fun movie. <laughs> I just think that it's like I think the people wanted it to be the Blair Witch, and I think the the guy who took it on was given like and like a nearly impossible task. Um, some of the problems with the movies are studio related that they really wanted, you know, absolutely, like, you know, yeah, that yeah. they wanted things re re refilmed and stuff like that. But I think on its own. For what he was given, like I think there's there's amazing imagery in it. I think it was kind of kept you going. I think the ending is great. I think like, you know, like I mean his and his, I think the opinion the the idea to go like um, rather than found footage, but to go like sort of meta with it was I think like a, a like a great artistic choice. So I um I uh, and I think like some of the imagery in it is great horror. I think if it was its own movie without the the, the precursor to it, we wouldn't be as hard. I agree. Yeah, I will agree with that. And here's my other thing about it. The the visuals on it, some of them were amazing. And some of them looked like a corn video. So (laughs) it's like, there's a little bit of both. There's a little both. The ones that were amazing were very good. It is corn video era, though. So you it know what I mean? Sure is. Yeah, I love corn cool. videos. Yeah, I mean that's what I mean. You look at a corn <laughs> video and you're like, God damn it, it's a corn video. But then in the end of it, you're like, that was kind of a cool video. Like, yeah, you know, like that's that's kind of the way the Book of Shadows was, where you were like, ah, oh, fuck, this is another Blair Witch movie. This is gonna be bad. And then at the end of it, you're like, that oh, was actually kind of fucking cool. Like it was, <laughs> like you're not disappointed at the end of Book of Shadows because you immediately went into Book of Shadows thinking that it was gonna be an outhouse of a movie. Right. And then at the end of it, you're like, there's actually a lot of enjoyable stuff about that movie. Um, here's the thing though, he took on Blair Witch 3, which is literally just called Blair Witch. And it completely, um, acts like the second movie doesn't exist and the thing that's cool about this one is it does go back to the found footage thing and in 2016 at that point found footage had is on its life support i guess is the best way to say it because there's so many films that had tried the found footage thing and so many films that failed at it and it was one of those things where taking on that style of a film was super risky um because i think people were burnt out on it but also it was just very, very easy to make a shitty movie in right. found footage style at that point, especially. Um, and the ones that did it right did it very, very well. And luckily what he did with Blair Witch, I feel like fit into that very, very well type of thing. Um, but a couple of cool things happened for Blair Witch. So first off, the marketing campaign behind Blair Witch was kind of ingenious for him. Yes. Um so if you guys know about this, what he did with it is they previewed this movie and they put out trailers and they put out all this different stuff and they had it under a completely different name. The Woods. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, They had it as the Woods up until I want to say like two weeks before the movie was supposed to come out in theater. And they were just like, ah, surprise, it's Blair Witch. And everybody was just like, what? (laughs) I think they revealed it at like a a, a Comic-Con or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was comic They didn't tell anybody, public. and then they screened it, and it came up, and the whole audience apparently went nuts. Yeah, they lost their fucking mind on it. So yeah. the thing that happened with this movie that was kind of a blessing and a curse is that it did get previewed at, like you were saying, Comic-Con. And the buzz from Comic-Con was huge. And I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that nobody knew it was a Blair Witch movie until they screened it. So that kind of influenced a little bit of the reaction to it. So the immediate reaction to this movie coming out was... It was a massive praise of the film 
And it started getting a bunch of sound bites and a bunch of like little review bites and stuff like that saying, this is the scariest movie ever made. And like started throwing stuff like that out and like talking about it's like, they were saying uh, horror is back. It's the, you know, the reinvention of the scare and like all this stuff where they just pumped it up so heavy. So when the movie came out, it didn't get the best reception. And I think it was because it got over, it got overhyped for what the movie is because the movie is very good. Like straight up. This is like, as far as found footage movies goes, probably one of the best ones around. Um, the way they do the found footage in this one, it doesn't, it's not like that super shaky cam that makes you nauseous. Um, it retains all of the found footage aspect, but it cleans it up a little bit to where you're still looking at a movie that feels like a movie and doesn't necessarily feel like somebody's walking around with a camcorder in their hand. Right. Um, the jump scares are super effective. They're <laughs> the way the jump scares happen in this movie is not the way that they do in most movies. Like, even if I tell you right now that you're not going to see the jump scares coming, you will still not see the jump scares coming. Like they come from places that you would never, ever think they would come from. And I mean that in the best possible way. Like it's not camera tricks. It's not any of that bullshit. Like the way that he made the film is he made it a truly scary film. I thought you know? it was very similar to the, the last scene in the original with the kids very just similar. turned in the yeah. corner. There's just a feeling there of that, that like, horror dread and like it's over like yeah all at once (laughs) yeah absolutely and that's the thing that was kind of cool about the whole movie is that the whole movie uh, i can't say the whole movie once the horror aspect of that movie turns on the rest of the film feels like dread like there's no point in that movie where you think that these people are going to get out of this alive and he does that in a way that makes you fully invested in these people as characters because he didn't even have to map out who these characters were. You didn't have to do a bunch of exposition. You didn't have to do any of that stuff because the way that he filmed it and the, and the way that he made the actual feeling of, you know, of fear come across on screen made you immediately root for these people to make it to the end. Right. And, you know, of course it's a horror film, so not all of them are going to make it, but when you're watching it, like you give a shit about all these people, regardless of how likable they are. And I think that has a lot to do with him and how he was behind the camera. Um, Cause he did it very, very effectively. Yeah. I think the, they, um, and also kind of like the way, like he sort of um, took like, cool tropes from the first one and i think he sort of amped them up and i kind of like that like um like the way he screwed with time i really liked yeah. and i like like the the other people were were had been gone for a long time and didn't realize that they were you know what i mean like that other was the, the other the 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 uh, couple you know the sort of like yeah. couple yeah, yeah. Um, how they had been gone for a while and they didn't realize it i think that kind of gave it an unsettling they kind of tried to do that with the with the original but the original was so thin that i think it was like i think it was effective for that movie but like but with this one you really felt like uneasy through the whole thing like this is this is like like you kind of care about these people and they're literally not going to like like this is this is beyond it's like a it's like a anxiety dream you know what yeah. i mean i think you yeah. really grasp like an anxiety dream sort of idea of like like i'm supposed to be somewhere and like we can't get and this is this is wrong and like everything just felt wrong you know what i mean and i think that that's a uh, uh, that's great movie making. Yeah. 
And I also well, I think like, it, was, it was his first big budget film, really. I think. So I was looking at that. I was looking at that. He, the movie was made for five million, and this is the thing that's kind of irritating to me about Hollywood in general. They called this movie a box office disappointment, but it was made for five million dollars, and it grossed about forty-five point two million. <laughs> so, yeah, that's a like, huge win, <laughs> right? I mean, they're calling it a disappointment, but how many times the budget is that fucking box office total? Like, come right. on, Hollywood. Yeah, I mean that's ridiculous. So calling it a box office disappointment is really like that irritates me. Now that I read that, like that actually pisses me off. Um, but it was the, here's the other thing about 2016. 2016 had a pretty like pretty large amount of horror films come out for one year. As far as like big name, not even big name, but um, at least well pushed horror films. So in 2016 we had Lights Out which if you've never seen that it's that movie literally is all about jump scares and it's okay because they tell you that in the trailer. Um, It's fine. It's a serviceable horror film. It's nothing to write home about Um, the conjuring Two, which I could feel Graham's disgust hit. Um, (laughs) I I I never saw it. Yeah, I know it has the name of conjuring on it. So I assume you were just like, Nope. (laughs) I, I love, I love a lot of his movies and I kind of like that, that universe, you know, I think the one universe is, I like it way more than Graham does. Um, cause I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm a fan of, which is not saying a lot, but, uh, cause it's a low bar, but, um, no, I'm a fan of those movies and I'm a fan of just like, you know, spooky, uh, I like the paranormal movies. I like, you know, I, mean, I like just a good ghost story. I'm a, uh, I'm a, I'm a, of an easy date when it comes down to like a lot of horror movies. Um, I think the conjuring two was incredibly disappointing and a really clunky movie. It's not, it's not as bad as the nun, which I have, it is very hard to get me to really turn off a, uh, um, a horror movie. Um, but the nun was, uh, was pretty bad. It was pretty, pretty rough to watch all the way through, but, uh, the conjuring two, um, not awesome no it's definitely not and then the other ones that they had were the purge election year which was not bad like the purge movies are pretty much all the same movie just in it with a little bit of a different setting which is fine if you go into it argue actually surprisingly enough all the purge movies are the same movie and they're all pretty decent movies except for the very first one the very first first one's just a home invasion and it's a shitty one. Like, it's a very it's shitty good. home invasion. Yeah. And yeah. then the rest of them are like, oh, yeah, this is what people want from The Purge. So let's do that. Yeah. The idea fun. behind The Purge is fucking amazing. I love yeah, it. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. It's I great. went into that so stoked. And I was like, that was boring. Well, it's just <laughs> yeah. something that we've all talked about forever. You know what I mean? For like, sure. Thousand percent. Yeah. Of, like, Night of No Law. Like, what would that look like? Yeah, and that's like when they did the sequels, like they did all the sequels properly. Like whether they were good movies or bad movies is very much up for debate, but they were all very serviceable versions of what everybody thinks The Purge would be. And The Purge election year was no different. It was the same thing. And then they have The Shallows, which uh, was a not all that great shark movie. Mm-hmm. Um, was that with Blake Lively? That was that one, yeah. I really like that. It wasn't like I thought she was fantastic in that actually. For what it was, for what it was, it was fine. Like it was, you know, it was a good, it was serviceable for a shark movie. It starts Um, out rough. I didn't like the beginning, but by the second half, I actually really dug. Yeah, the back nine on that movie is actually really good. I will totally agree with that. Um, And then the last one that was uh, throughout that year was Don't Breathe, which is so fucking good. Yes. So. 2016 was kind of a 
was kind of a uh, busy year for horror films. Mm -hmm. And I think they put this one kind of up against all those as far as performance in the box office goes. And also they were making a very unfair comparison of the first movie's box office um, performance to this movie, which you can't do. I mean, the first movie was made for like $10. You know what I mean? Well, and, and like, really, like, there has never been hype for a movie like that. I mean, you just cannot compare the, any, uh, like, later, I mean, a later franchise to something like, like, the lightning in the bottle that they had. You couldn't ever do it again after that. You couldn't. I mean, like, I'm not anti-found film. I think the Hell House series is rad. I love those movies. Um, Yeah. You know, I mean, there's there's good found film. Asylum, the Japanese uh, found floor. That movie's rad. That's one of the scarier movies I've seen, really. Um, But um, I I just think that it's, it's hard to, like, with horror in general, where they're calling, like, box office flops. Like, what's doing great? Like okay, the Conjuring did pretty good. Like probably, I don't, I don't know. I don't the Conjuring, the Conjuring two did pretty decent as far as this goes. But I mean, I just want to put this in scale for a second, okay? Five million dollar budget, forty five point two million dollar gross at the box office. That seems pretty fucking good to me. That seems you know solid. They're comparing it to the first one, and the first one's numbers were sixty thousand dollar budget to a two hundred and fifty million dollar gross. I don't think any other film has ever made that kind of money compared to its budget. Yeah, I'd actually so, like to, I'd actually like to see the like the statistics on that because I don't know who what movie would have. You know that's what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> that is insane. So to even put those two against each other as far as box office performance, that's that's unfair to both Wingard and also to the movie itself as a franchise because that's that's astronomical like there's no way to do that so the movie itself very good like it's it's as far as found footage movies goes you're not going to find a whole lot that are better than this one i mean you can go digging and you can find some for sure that are going to be better but this is is up near the top of the heap um you know especially just for traditional found footage like there's no real you know tricks here like it just very much is a found footage pov horror film um and it's done in a very very good way um one by the way another found footage horror film i just have to mention this because i just remembered it that just got re-released because it was like buried for a long time uh the poughkeepsie tapes yeah the poughkeepsie tapes just came back out i think like last year um and that is a super fucked up movie yeah, it's, it's really, it's really fucked up. You know, it, it was a little overhyped though. Because there was like, oh, Pepsi taste. So I like watched it, like thinking it was going to be like, like I don't know. They, it made I mean, it seem like a snuff film. It's, it's, I don't know. It's. They made, they did. They totally made it seem like a snuff film, and that's not at all what it was. Right. Um, but I feel like if you go into it with like without reading all the previous hype to it, it's actually a very interesting movie. Um, but yeah, they, they took it out of like circulation anywhere for like five or six years and they just re-released it last year for some reason. Yeah. I don't, um, yeah, I wonder, I, w- I wonder why that is. We should look into that. Um, yeah. because it seems like a smart choice because then it was able to like get buzz about it and get like a second life off of it as opposed to it just dying in the, on the, on the horror back of the horror thing on Amazon Prime or something like that. You know what I mean? For so sure. it's, yeah, like yeah. Band, it's like a band breaking up for the reunion tour. Exactly. Right, right, right. Exactly. Um, yeah, um, 
but real quick back to Blair back to the uh the, the way it was uh a surprise to the comic-con thing i think that was it, that was a really cool thing. They have uh, a, a documentary on the, the Blu-ray about that. Um, and I thought that was a really cool way to sort of make up for the fact that they couldn't sell it as a, a, a real movie quote, you know, because yeah. that's what yeah. that's what half of the original was, was the Agreed. hype behind like, oh, my God, is this real or not? Right. It's pretty, you know, even when you knew it wasn't, it was still like, well, this is pretty cool because it was one of the first ones, you know. Right, um, and it was it was very cool for them to try to recreate that like feeling of the original. Sort of, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to say the buzz in the original, but definitely like the feeling in the original of kind of getting some that sort really of fun. Close yeah. yeah, they really did. They brought that fun back to it, which I thought you know from everything that I've seen on it, um, that was all um, Wingard's idea. Yeah, I'm I'm going to be honest. Cool. I like yeah. his. Blair Witch better than I like the original. I mean, like I love the original, and it's clearly like an I- iconic. Oh, hundred percent, yeah. But like, but like rewatching it now, and I get it. It's a different time, and it's kind of like it was like a moment and stuff like that. But like, honestly, like the original is a whole lot of people just yelling at each other. You know, I mean, like, it's, it is. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, I, I mean, don't get me wrong, I love it, and like, I'm a horror. And, and that last scene is dope. And it's, right. you know, they did a great job with it. They really did. And they really did something really fresh and really new. And like, they deserve like all the flowers for that. But, but like watching it now, like, I just like, it's just not a movie that like, I'll probably ever really like, I would way rather watch Book of Shadows again, or the third one again, just because I just think that they're just more interesting like once you kind of take like the sort of newness out of it and the thing about that, there's like, it, there's a lot of like really thinness to it. And it's like, because that's just what, and I get that's what it is. And, I'm, and I hope I'm being clear that I don't think it's a terrible movie, but like, I just feel like that it's uh, I, I don't know. It's just, it's like, I could go watch Wingards right now and right. like, and like, and be like, Oh, this is dope. And like, Oh, check out this. And there's just so much more movie. You know what I mean? Like, 100%. Yeah. You know. yeah, the rewatch value on on uh, Wingard's version is exponentially higher. The one thing that obviously I'll give major credit to the first one is there's a couple of things that the first one did that people recreate now, and it works in today's age too. Um, so you have the you know you have the marketing thing that worked for this one obviously, and you have that marketing style where it's kind of like a bait and switch, and that's very cool. I, li- I like it when that happens because it gives you that feeling of wonder and stuff like that. So that people still repeating that is cool. But then one of the other things that the first one did that was kind of crazy and super risky, but it turned out to work really well, and it was also repeated in the movie uh, Don't Breathe, which I'll talk about in a second. Um, they gave the actors each different scripts so none of the actors knew when one of the other actors was going to quote unquote die in the film so a lot of the reactions that you were getting out of the actors were very real reactions of confusion and of fear so which was kind of cool because yeah so like and now it worked a little bit to its detriment too because that's where a lot of like the screaming back and forth between people were happening because they had different (laughs) script endings. So they're like, what the fuck are you talking about? I'm, I see this, you know, but they were also trying not to say like, I read in the script that it it said this, you know? Right. (laughs) So you get this confusion back and forth. Now what they did in don't breathe um, in don't breathe. There's a scene where they're in the basement and all the lights get turned off 
and the um, Stephen Lang, because he's blind, he has the entire basement rigged up in a way that he can navigate through um, without being able to see. So he has it set up in a way that's like a maze almost, but he knows how to get through it. So when the actors go down there and he shuts the lights off, none of the actors can actually see in that basement. And they also have no idea what the maze is like down there. So all their reactions are 100% organic. So they put these actors, yeah, they put those actors down in this dark basement and they were like, well, that's going to be like a a maze like The Shining. So have fun. Like, (laughs) you know? Um, That's super cool. Yeah. So uh, we have uh, made a choice to not talk about Death Note. Right, that's the uh... yeah. You know what? Sure. That that movie happened, and you can watch it if you want to, and it's visually pretty. And that's I'm, there. You go, <laughs> Lakeith Lakeith Stanfield is in it, and I he is uh, my favorite actor. Willem Dafoe too. Willem yeah. Dafoe is fantastic. Great actors. Great um, actors. <laughs> great actors. Um, um, but you know, as a uh, manga fan, and um, and then some other problematic choices about it. I just you know. We'll just uh, go ahead and, uh, you know, <laughs> we'll just, uh, they all have their, their movies, you know? I'll say this. If you don't know anything about the manga, then go ahead and enjoy Death Note. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yes. <laughs> That's pretty much what happened with me. I, right. I didn't know the story behind I, I had stolen my brother's lighter once. It was a Death Note lighter. That's all I knew of it. <laughs> like 10 years ago. Like He was super into anime and he had a lighter I needed and I've had it ever since. But that's all yeah. I knew about it. And I went into it watching it and it was it was fine. It wasn't it's my least favorite by him. Easy. Right. Sure. So so what's this new one that we got coming out? This little this little movie that's flying under the radar. <laughs> so he's going into creature features now, right. which I'm super excited about because he's, he's going into the on, creature feature. The like, creature yeah. feature. Like not like he's like it's yeah, it's like the That's true. That's true. <laughs> like, there's really like the two greatest greatest franchises uh, you know around of any creature. Yeah, I, I'm I, I haven't even watched the trailer for it yet, actually, because really? Oh my God! What are you doing to yourself? Are you edging? Is that what you're doing? <laughs> I guess so. Are you having tantric trailer sex? Is that what it is? <laughs> I've seen. I follow his Instagram, so I see like shots and stuff, or like little things. But I haven't watched a full trailer yet because uh, I don't know. Tra- I'm too the excited. The trailer's so yeah. I mean, you'll pro- you'll probably bust right in the middle of it. I'm sure, but it's <laughs> I've heard it's really good. Yeah, <laughs> but it's coming out soon too, and it's going right to HBO Max. So I'm pretty stoked about that, honestly. Yeah, it's um, it looks um. What I like about it is what a great time for something like this to come out. Just like a good old, like classic, you know, staple, like, you know, um, I haven't, I haven't been in love with the last properties. I'm going to be honest with you. Like, you know, like I haven't, like, I love Godzilla movies, but like, for some reason they've decided to like just not give us a lot of Godzilla in the last Godzilla movies, you know, like um, and I don't know where that why who's making that decision. The one with like Brian Cranston, like it's like 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 I don't go to like Godzilla movies to watch 
like human. It's okay. It's it's okay to say it. You don't go to a Godzilla movie to watch Matthew Broderick. I get it. I, I really, I, no, I really don't. I mean, like, I, I'm good with Matthew Broderick. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, sure. Although I think that um, uh, Ferris Bueller is uh, is probably one of the most problematic movies that we all love um you know um and to be honest i would be very taken aback if i went to a ferris bueller movie and got three quarters of a movie full of godzilla i would be very <laughs> taken aback um, um i think that Fer- I, I mean i think that ferris bueller like if you made like a sequel now he's probably in prison for like, like for sure stock trading you know what i mean they're like right. ripping off investors or something like that because he's like an absolute piece of shit um uh, every one of the revenge of the nerds crew is in prison for like date rape every exactly. single one of them exactly. it's just like that's the whole sequel <laughs> like it's just you guys are in jail now so i mean at some point somebody's gonna have to do a deep dive into john hughes movies and they're they're um they're like effect on the human mind of the 80s you know what i mean and just like how like you know i mean there's like literally like no black people there's like really problematic like you know um asian stereotypes uh you know like like you know and he like literally asked the guy in the movie if he speaks english you know um right yeah it was very 80s it was very very 80s in that sense I, I will say the answer is great there guys like what country do you think this is i mean like good for him you know what i mean like <laughs> i feel like i feel like ben stein was in those movies and nobody was happy about it you know what i mean like everybody was kind of like just like all right fine like <laughs> that's the vibe that i got from all of those movies it was just like there's no black people there's nobody even with a tan so like no just totally not <laughs> I mean, like, I mean, John Hughes did, you know, Vacation, which he wrote, and, you know, that has probably one of, the, like, the absolute, like, most racist scenes in 80s movie. You know what I mean? Like, everybody loves right. it. But the whole, like, you know, South Chicago scene, or East St. Louis, whatever it is, is, uh, right, right. is, is famously, uh, um, famously uh, um, hard to watch nowadays you know and the, the 80s was a time my friends it was a time <laughs> <No>. in film <laughs> and, you know, it's funny and I, and I lived it it's just like and, and i mean like and i think we've grown to accept it i think where i really feel it is like trying to like show my kids these movies you know what i mean and like sure. yeah like i grew up with it so like i know how terrible it could be but like showing it to them they're like you like this like, <laughs> like you get canceled by my kids like you know what i mean <laughs> You have to explain to your kids why the whitest guy named Emilio happens to be in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> totally. I mean, it's a, it's a, yeah, it's a, and, uh, and John Hughes for all, I mean, like so many movies the guy did and they're all kind of, they're, they're all like that, you know? So, yeah. So uh, the original, that first Godzilla movie, um, when did that one come out? That one came out in, was it the end of the nineties? Um, the Matthew Broderick Wait, the Matthew Broderick one? Yeah, yeah. I, I that was nineties, right? It's got to be the end of the nineties. I think it was like the end of the nineties, like ninety eight, ninety nine, right? Yeah, it's uh, it's ninety eight. It is ninety eight. Okay, that's what I was thinking. And then, uh, and then they kind of skipped it. And then Brian Cranston's one was let me see, uh, two thousand fourteen. 
Yeah, um, like, I had like high hopes for that when it was coming out because the trailers were like so good. Sure, I was like, um, like I was like, you know, and Brian Cranston was fresh off of Breaking Bad, and like, you know what I mean, like steaming hot. We had just watched a movie, yeah. bunch of bunch of Peckerwoods, you know what I mean, and we were like, this is gonna be. The, it's my favorite moral ever in a, in a television <laughs> show, which is the uh, the path to salvation will be littered with <laughs> dead dead racist bikers. But um, <laughs> um, but uh, you know, and then so like that that trailer came out, and I was like, this is going to be awesome. You know what I mean? This is going to be really dope. And uh, boy, was that movie anything but. I'm, and I'm sorry. I mean, I don't know if you guys liked it or not, but I it got. I liked it. I, I didn't it, it love got it. good critical. It got good critical reviews, but that's about it. There <laughs> wasn't enough Godzilla. Clearly, there was. You know, it, it, the story. I don't need that much backstory. I liked it though. There were part. You know, I enjoyed myself. I enjoy most movies, but um, I really did love uh, Skull Island and King of the Monsters. Yeah, I think uh, I think Skull Island was. Um... I think they did good with what they did with it. I think, I mean, I guess it was, it, to me, it was like so much CGI that I kind of like struggle with it. And I think that new movie is going to be like that too. And I mean, that's my shit, but like, but it's a, um, um, like I like Skull Island. I think when they tried to like add parts of Skull Island uh, or parts of like the original King Kong into it, like it wasn't as, uh, um, I don't think it played off as good, but, but, I, but it's a completely watchable movie. And I will say, uh, watching her on the top of that building for whatever like skeezed me out like it really like it was for whatever reason when she was walking around uh what's her name uh, uh in skull island no in uh, the king kong um uh, oh what's her name she's in um um the ring um blonde haired anyway. oh uh uh, she's she's I know it's like it's like you know what's great about getting old is like you just can't remember the shit that you want <laughs> everything else except for like I know I'm immediately getting her mixed up with another um with another person and it's really annoying my brain <laughs> not the just... you're not you're talking about which which Godzilla or which King Kong Skull Island is it Skull Island or which King Kong is like a with Brie Larson no I'm talking about the one before that. With Jack Skull Black. had like John Goodman and Naomi Watts. You're Naomi, talking about Naomi Watts. That's yeah, what Naomi Watts. Yeah, yeah, Kong. That was Kong. That was Peter Jackson. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. I did That's not right. like that. Skull Island, I loved. I'm sorry, I'm my uh, I, I got apparently I mixed up my King Kong. No, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> They're no, pretty close together. Skull Island was pretty cool, and you know I felt bad. Like I actually reread my review of King of the Monster of King of Monsters, and. You know, I'm going to I'm going to be honest. I'm going to take an L on this one because <laughs> I I shit nuclear hot shit all over that movie. Yeah, I read it. <laughs> it was brutal. <laughs> and I was like I was rereading that review and I was like was I in a bad mood that day when I went to go see that movie because like I really went in hard on this movie. And then I rewatched it and there's a lot of the criticism criticisms that stuck that I still had, but it was it was a much better movie than I gave it credit for. Like I, um, yeah, something must've been going on in my life at the time when I saw that movie, because I, I was projecting something fierce onto that movie. <laughs> um, Cause I'll tell you what, man, the new one, Godzilla versus Kong, like 
I can only say certain things because you haven't seen the trailer yet, but there's a lot of Easter eggs. You can in say it. I've listened to people talk about the trailer nonstop. I just no, no, I just I mean because you haven't seen it, it may not like it might might not come across. But there's a lot of Easter eggs in the trailer that I think if you're a fan of Godzilla as a property and as a character and you follow the actual story of the, you know, Godzilla King of the Monsters and stuff like that. There's some really cool things that they hint at in the trailer. Like, I think there's going to be Gojira. I think that Mechagodzilla is going to be a part of it um, in a sense. Like, I think that might be a thing that happens towards the end is that Mechagodzilla is there or something. But it's it seems like they're going to be doing a lot more with the monsters this time as opposed to what they did with King of the Monsters. Because that's one of the things that I actually did have a gripe about with that one is that it was like almost, it was a two, it was an over two hour movie approaching two and a half hours. And it was kind of like the Dark Knight Rises with how often Batman was in that movie. Right. Like Godzilla was only in the movie for like 45 minutes, you know? And that's not what I went to that movie to see. <laughs> so it was just, you know, I feel like this one is going to have a hell of a lot more to do with the monsters. And I think it's really going to be like an actual battle between the two. And it'll be interesting to see what uh, Wingard does with it, too, because aside from Willem Dafoe and just tiny little things in Blair Witch, he hasn't touched anything like these creatures. Like Nothing like it, gonna yeah. Have to. Willem Dafoe, all those other creatures he's dealt with, if he did, like, we're all pretty shadowed up and, and blurry or whatever. Like, Agree 100%. Um, so this, I'm really excited to see what he does. One of, the, one of the issues that I had with the last one is that the filter that was on that entire film really pissed me off. And when I watched it at home, it was the same thing. The entire movie looks like it's covered in ash, mm. which I, I didn't like that about the camera work. Like, it made the entire movie look very, um, like, it made it look way overly CGI, I guess, because the filter on it made the entire film, literally from beginning to end, it made the whole thing look like it was being filmed on top of something burning and smoke was coming up. Like it had this really weird, like faded look to it all the whole time. Um, but this new one, like it has a cleanness to it. Like it, it definitely has like a gritty look, but the actual camera work and the actual look of it looks like it's on point. Like it looks like it's going to be a really well-made movie. Yeah. I'm pretty excited for it. what's your, uh, let's do a round of what's your favorite monster movie. Graham. Does Alien count? Alien. I don't know. I don't, you know, like... I, is that a Does monster that a movie? movie? Is that a monster movie? I don't know. Like the first one, for sure. For sure the first one is. For sure the first one's a monster movie. How about besides Alien? <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, oh. I, I don't know. Uh, you know. Favorite's really hard. Right. There's also not that many true monster movies. Like, there really yeah. isn't. Yeah, it's, it's like it's. Yeah, I thought I had it locked in with Alien. Uh... <laughs> yeah, I'll, give you, I'll give you Alien fine. <laughs> Alien's fine. I mean, it's a monster for sure. I, I would say Aliens too. They're less. Mo- I don't know. Like, um, but uh, um, Jonathan. I mean, I'm trying to think monster movies. Like, truly a monster movie. That is a tough one. Um, You know, honestly, I would say this is going to be a very 
very divisive one, I know for sure. My favorite monster movie is the Frankenstein film um, with Robert De Niro playing Frankenstein. <laughs> yeah, that is, that is a divisive choice. Uh, yeah. Um... <laughs> the reason I'm telling you that is because I rewatched it actually, like, I want to say like three weeks ago. And I remembered when I first watched it, I think I was too young to appreciate the movie at all. And I rewatched it. It's a really, really good version of Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. It's very well done. Who's the director? Somebody really awesome. Um, uh, and also, I mean, like, it's from 1994. So, like, it's an old movie and it's dated. But, like, Kenneth Branagh um, is oh, the director. It's actually Kenneth Branagh. That's who. That's yeah. Who, yeah, yeah. He's the director, I, but he's he also plays Victor Frankenstein. Right. And like De Niro's version of the monster, like unless you told me it was Robert De Niro, you would have no idea that's Robert De Niro. And I actually like that, you know, because if I would have thought that was Robert De Niro and like if nobody told me that and I watched it and I was like, oh, fuck, that's Robert De Niro. I actually would have hated the movie. I would have been like, I should not be able to tell if that's him. Like, <laughs> yeah. Hell, Hell in the Bottom Carter's in it. Like it's the cast is great. Um. And then there's like a bunch of people that are in the movie. Fucking John Cleese is in it. Like, there's a bunch of people in it. It's great. Well, I mean, because it's Kenneth Branagh, you know, so he can really get people to to show up. You know what I mean? Like, uh, very, very true. I, I'm a I'm a kind of a Shakespeare geek a little bit, and so I really love his his stuff. You know what I mean? And uh, Thor it has a very it has a very Shakespearean uh, very Shakespearean feel to it. Yeah, I mean, it, well, I mean, that's like you know, I mean. He was Mr. Shakespeare for so long. Yeah, that's his jam. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, um, he has had some funny casting choices. I mean, I would say uh, Keanu and Much Ado About Nothing is uh, is an interesting choice. That Like, it was right in Keanu's, um, um, right at his height of his popularity. So I can understand, like, the wanting to, like, get attractive. Um, but it's a pretty, that was like those movies. There was, like, Keanu did that and dracula and he did like two movies in a row where like they wanted to try to cast him in more serious stuff which was like just the mistake you know what i mean like they were just like like we should really like like keanu does like he starts killing it at speed you know what i mean like yeah i feel like he walked out of those and was like these are not for me okay (laughs) (laughs) this is not the this is like dynamic epic gravity like like I love Keanu, like I love him to death, but like that's just not his deal. You know what I mean? No. Like, it's yeah. like, you know, you got to put the right people in the right things. Um, um, I will say that the Michael Keaton's performance in um, Much Ado About Nothing balances it out because it's absolutely phenomenal. Um, um, I will say this to kind of um, to kind of uh, make my selection not sound as terrible. Um, if you would consider Dracula to be a monster movie then bram stoker's dracula is definitely my favorite um monster movie i absolutely i love bram stoker's dracula yeah i I rewatched it too not too long ago and like really liked it like i liked it when it came out but like i was like a little like okay but like after i watched it like the last time it was it's it's just way better than i even remember it being so yeah um i'm gonna have to go with uh the host the Korean, uh, oh, the Bond. Yeah, that's a great. Um, that's a great choice. Um, it is. It is such a fabulous movie, just through and through. It's just like, um, it's been so great to watch his career because I remember uh, 
a friend of mine working had a copy of it and he gave it to me when it first came out and just to be able to watch his career uh, through that and then to finally get his his flowers with uh, parasite has been really great because i just think that yeah everything he touches is so good it's so so good and uh the host is just a tremendous like perfect monster movie like you know just like what you want from it like gripping gripping like 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 some family stuff some like you know like some emotional connection and then just ton of like a really terrible monster but not like boring amount of monster either you know what i mean where it's like okay we get it it's like it's he of course because he's just a master he was able to just nail that genre perfectly you know so yeah um real quick at the end of this here um do any of you have an underrated monster movie that you can think of because I have one that just popped into my head. Um, it's a new. Mine is a new movie uh, that just know. didn't. Mine's a new movie that did not get as much praise as it should have because it was a good fucking movie. And oh, it I just got, thought of one too, and I think it's the same one you are. <laughs> are we both thinking underwater? Oh no, I was thinking after midnight. Very also very good one. I was thinking underwater because man. The la- the final act in that movie, um, talk about a monster reveal, and also just a movie that was much, 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 much better than it um, than anybody thought it was going to be. Right. But yeah, the monster is basically Cthulhu, like right. yeah. it's insane. Right. It's so good, so well done, so well done. I don't, I don't. Uh... I don't have one that I feel like is underrated, but I'm going to say the most overrated monster movie is the original Piranha. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you've tried to watch that recently, but it is utterly, like, unwatchable and, like, really boring. Like, there's just, like, and I very rarely am bored in movies, but the original Piranha is, like, it's just, like, one of these movies where they just put too much crap in the movie it's kind of like it's kind of like the king of the monsters thing that you were talking about like or even bane batman it's like just too much like sometimes just stick to like the thing but like this one had the in the in the piranha remake which is um a movie that i actually kind of like because it's like so utterly ridiculous that it's like uh and jerry o'connell is really hilarious in it and so that was is, fun yeah and so is uh uh what's his also name? The, the director is alex um alexander um aja or aha right and they really i think they really fantastic director they got right down to it there was a you know there's some piranhas blah 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 blah. they were like you know cavern or whatever and they got it the old one like it's like so much back backstory like there's like a toxic thing in a pool and a blah 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 blah. you know what i mean it's just like it's just like i really didn't turn this on to see this i turned this on to watch people get eaten by piranhas that's why you watch a piranha movie (laughs) like you know what i mean like i really want to watch like like dope blood effects and like like we are horror fans i didn't you know i I want nothing gripping you know what i mean like i don't for sure you know what i mean like if you were able to pull it off sure but like in these movies it's just like it's like all these movies just try too much like just go ahead and just make something awesome you know so the most overrated the most overrated one for me um which is going to piss everybody off is all of the jaws movies I don't care. They're not good movies. Like they're they're bad fucking movies. Oh, I like the first. <laughs> yeah, I think you're kind of wrong. Yeah, the first one's real. 
so good. It's yeah. not a horror and, movie, though. dude. Yeah, they're boring. They're boring monster movies. Like, as far as a monster movie, like if you're gonna have the monster be a big shark, then I need to be afraid of the big shark, and I am not afraid of those big sharks at all. <laughs> I think subconsciously, though, Jaws is the scariest movie for people like ever made. It's like, um, um, it's screwed up entire generations from going into the ocean. I think it yeah, I agree. I agree. You know what I mean? I think it I think I think that I think the the theme uh what's his name did uh is was so bro- like perfect and so haunting that it's like I mean there's just no like I've been scuba diving a handful of times and there's just not a time you go scuba diving that somebody doesn't like through their you know regular be like whoa, 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 whoa. you know what I mean like I just I think it <laughs> lives in a, it lives in a, like a in a different level of film than I think it's 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 haunting, but I can I mean like the rest of the movies though are like it's it is a legendary franchise that I will never ever ever say has not done amazing things for the genre and the history of film. It has its place in the history of film. I just rewatched the movies though, like not I'm not going to say like really soon, but I like I rewatched them like a year ago. Mm-hmm. and they're bad like they're just bad movies and they, which is fine there's a bunch of legendary movies that happen to also be shitty movies after you rewatch them but they have massive historical impact and that's that happened to be these ones for me i watched them and i was like oh man i forgot <laughs> it was just nah. i uh i think uh I, I will always defend jaws though because um yeah, me too. He he Which is fed, he fed, he fed a ten-year-old kid to that shark, and I yeah. gotta tell you, <laughs> that was like, I mean, for like, and I mean, like, like we think, okay, it's Steven Spielberg now, but we're talking about like, like, like the only really movies he had out up until then was that movie that's kind of like Jaws, except it's like with a uh, what's it called uh, with a uh, semi truck, um, you know? Oh what I mean? yeah, yeah, like. like um, <laughs> And like, so, but he decided because I mean, still to this day in 2021, feeding, killing kids in horror movies is, is that's yeah, you're right. That's a big faux pas still. And he, he, he swung that, he swung that, uh, he swung that bat, you know what I mean? And uh, um, I will, uh, I will um, always tip my hat to feeding, feeding a 10 year old to a, so, uh, um, I, we'll, we'll... I, I think because we know that he's going to be listening to this podcast we need to apologize to Dwayne the Rock Johnson for none of us picking Rampage as our favorite monster movie oh. <laughs> sorry Dwayne sorry it's Rock sad. it just is I'm not very we sorry. tried we tried but we couldn't <laughs> man <laughs> alright so uh, we will be excited to see uh, um Kong versus Godzilla. Go Kong. I'm, I'm pro Kong. I'm team Kong. Um, yeah. I'm also team Kong. Yeah, I'm totally going for Kong in that one. Yeah. Um, cool. All right, recommendations. Ram, you already kind of gave yours away earlier. You want to revisit it? Yeah, faults. Um, it's let me. So you guys go real quick. I, I'll I'll look this. No, up. Do your thing. No, no, yo, go go into it, man. Tell them about it. Um. Well, I'm looking up who the director was. <laughs> I forget. Uh, oh, that's fine. See, I've never even heard of this movie, actually. Riley Stearns. So, um, yeah, it's a it's a psychological uh, thriller. It's about uh, Leland Orson is is called in to basically decultify this couple's daughter, and mm-hmm. it's uh, it stars him and uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, who's fucking amazing. 
Um, she's and, she's one of my favorite actresses. I love her. Yeah. So you have to see this. Uh, yeah. It's called Faults, directed by Riley Steens, Stearns, Riley Stearns. Uh, it's amazing. Um, I think it was produced by the same people that did The Guest and You're Next, too. I know it came out at a similar time and was sort of lumped in with those, but nice. it's fantastic. So, yeah. Um, mine is going to be one of my favorite underappreciated horror films, uh, Frailty. Yeah, love frailty. Ooh. Yep. Frailty yeah. is super. Frailty uh, is um, you can find it, the whole thing is for free on YouTube right now. Um, but it was directed by Bill Paxton. It's like a, it's a really awesome slow burn um, type of serial killer story um, with Bill Paxton and Matthew McConaughey. Um, I need to rewatch that so bad. Oh, it's, it's such a good film. It's written really well. It's directed really well. The way that Bill Paxton plays with light in the movie um to make a lot of the shots like there's not effects in the movie of any kind he just really um does a really good job with the lighting um makes it it's got like a real it's got a real feeling of dread through the whole movie like it's just it's very very good very underappreciated yeah it's a good one it's a i really liked it when i get out and bill pullman is like or bill bill paxton bill paxton (laughs) bill paxton is uh um, they're forever linked yeah well i guess they like, are. In my mind i joke or i was like making a joke in my mind about how you know what i mean like, <laughs> um just the way he like meets the kids and he's like so excited he's like oh i got this thing you know he just does a really good job and it's uh and still like one of the uh one of the worst losses you know what i mean of, of absolutely yeah, you know yeah. I mean? like such a, such a sense the, the three main actors that are on the screen almost the whole time are bill paxton matthew mcconaughey um, and then his son is played by Matt O'Leary. Um, when you see his face, you'll know exactly who he is. But the one that plays the detective in the movie is Powers Booth. Okay. Yeah. Um, my suggestion is going to be this Friday, um, Judas and the Black Messiah. Um, the yes. Story, the story yes. of, um, of uh, Fred Hampton. Um, I think, uh, you know, I think... I think that there's like a like a level of uh, of civil rights leaders that we we hear about and we know about, and I think Fred Hampton sort of lives uh, a little bit beneath that. But like the work that he did was so incredibly um, important, and he was eventually killed by uh, the FBI and the Chicago police. And uh, um, uh, a friend of mine worked on that um, film, and uh, it's really authentic to the character, and they uh, they uh, made a lot of different. Um, ways to not make it take the story and make it really hollywoody and kind of ruin his legacy with a, a bunch of bullshit and uh um i think more than ever it's time that we kind of like i think sometimes we forget um how you know i mean i looked it up fred hampton would be uh like 70 today he's like the same age as my dad you know what i mean and so like i mean he would you know this didn't happen a long time ago you know what i mean these were like uh, it'd still be people living um uh, fruitful lives if uh if it wasn't cut short so um also starring uh you know lakeith uh stanfield who is um uh, you know one of the best and um yeah so he's he's easily one of my favorite actors he's so good he's killing it i, I just yeah. think that, like you Consistent. know you know like as a deadpan comic i know how hard it is to get that energy you know what i mean and how he can own a scene with this like sort of like uh, like I just think there's just like not enough uh, you know talked about that and you know uh, I discussed uh, about him with on, a, on another podcast I'm on uh, 
and discuss, you know, about him. And, you know, just like all those guys are such great writers and such great, you know, on top of just being good actors. And it's just like, uh, it's really a cool time to be watching that. And I'm really looking forward to the movie. So. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry to bother you. It was probably one of my favorite movies in the last decade, like top three or four. So I absolutely good. love it. Yeah, I think it's like, sorry to bother you. I think like, you know, I think Boots Riley, you know, as an artist is just like, has shown this ability to like, put himself out there and be like, quote unquote, weird or whatever, but to like, just nail it every time because you could have like, really screwed that movie up and made it ridiculous. And he was just able to like, really pull that off. And for his first movie, it just shows like the skills of like, I mean, um, you know, I mean, if you put half the work into it that he puts into the coup, it's it's uh, it's amazing. So um, definitely, yeah. Uh, sorry to bother you. Another suggestion. I'll suggest that always. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, definitely. All right, all right. Um, that's been another uh, goddamn horror podcast. Um, hey, thank you guys. Thank you guys. That was awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thank you guys. This was this was fun. This was a fun one today. Yep. And uh, thanks for everybody checking in this last week. We appreciate all the lessons, and uh, um, we'll be uh, coming up soon with some uh, maybe some uh, contests and some things like that. And um, you know, find us on Twitter and Instagram. Um, and uh, if you if you want things to be talked about or anything like that, hit us up, and uh, one of us will probably get back to you because uh, we really got you know it's a quarantine and we're. <laughs> yeah. we're, we're gonna get back to you because we have nothing to do guys please comment <laughs> yeah tell so us please give me something to do <laughs> like i'm gonna act like it's a really great thing and like look at how we're gonna go out there for y'all but like really the uh, the truth is is like give me something to think about so all right. <laughs> start some fires and break some glass thanks everybody all right